0: Have you or anyone you know ever been emotionally destroyed by a book? Have you ever got the feels for a fictional character?
1: Have you ever been hungover by an all-night book binge? Then pull up a seat, pour yourself a glass, and hang on to your Kindle. This is Drinking Ink. Hey friends, Mia here. Before we jump into the episode, I just wanted to drop in with a note on our content. While books are for everyone, this podcast was created for adult audiences only. Listener and reader discretion is advised as we sometimes dive into difficult and triggering content such as graphic depictions of violence, frank portrayal of sexuality, discussion of mental illness, and existential struggle. It might be a lot to take in, so if you need a breather, take a break or come back later. We'll be here for you.
0: Hello, we're back with another episode of Drinking Ink. Yes. <laughs> oh, this, this well, yes, this is. I think it's a good time for us to do this episode because just a couple weeks ago, we talked about banned books yeah, and yeah. why we should be reading banned books and what kind of books are getting banned and why they're getting banned. Mm-hmm. So, let's talk this week about. What kind of uncomfortable books we should be reading, books that aren't banned, maybe are getting challenged, maybe make you a little bit squeamish on the inside, and why that happens and why that's not a bad thing, because I think it's important, specifically with everything that's going on right now, politically and socially. Let's just, let's get into it, so.
1: The world is on fire. (laughs) Everything is burning. I mean, some things literally are. I just realized that. But, yeah, the world is on fire, and I do not care sometimes. (laughs) I mean, I care, but, like, I'm also, like, in my little hobbit hole sometimes.
0: So before we jump into, like, actual book wrecks, let's talk about a time when we maybe read a book that made us feel uncomfortable. And why it made us feel uncomfortable.
1: I feel like I have. I just feel like I've maybe somewhat suppressed the memory of it. You know?
0: That's entirely possible. I know the first book that I read that ever read that made me feel uncomfortable, and I've talked about it before on here, is um, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck by Mark Manson. Um it's a self-help book, but it made me feel uncomfortable because it really made me confront a lot of things that I had been holding on to that I didn't need to or um, challenged a lot of my personal beliefs that made me kind of force kind of force myself to to realign my perspectives. On a personal level. And that's the first time that I can remember in recent times, you know, in the last decade, that the first time that I read a book, that made me kind of go, I don't like what I'm hearing, per se.
1: Yeah, it's always hard when you have something that kind of calls out like whatever it is specifically that you're going through in life and you realize like, oh, wow, I need to actually do something about that. But uh, part of me doesn't want to because I'm comfortable doing what I've done in the past. So it really kind of forces you to reevaluate what you're doing in life and if it's helping you or not.
0: Yeah, for me, it was the this overarching message of like, everybody in life believes that they are the exception to the rule. But we're not. We are the rule. There are very few people who are the exception. And it kind of goes against this idea that, well, maybe not goes against. I think it kind of maybe almost affirms the idea that like millennials think they're special. Like we all kind of have this idea, like our parents gave us participation trophies. And so we all think that we should do what we want to do. But I think it kind of went just a little bit further in saying like, you're not special. It's all right that you're not special. You just have to figure out how to move on with your life with that knowledge. And it was, almost are like earth shattering i was listening to the audiobook in particular and i had to turn it off and kind of like sit with that for a bit because i was really mad about it i was like who the fuck does this guy think he is telling me that i'm not special (laughs) of course i'm special (laughs) but over time and by the time i got to the end of the book it was like okay maybe i'm not special in the way that we traditionally think of what special means when we think of like people being special and being um, I don't know, I don't know, say the word like celebrities, but like expecting that things should be different for us when why would it be different for us when it's been this way for X amount of years? I don't know. That sounds really bleak. It's not bleak. It's an excellent book. <laughs> and if you've ever struggled with identity, with depression, with trying to figure out your place in the world, It's a really great book to start with, in my opinion
1: yeah no i i like that concept that um because i feel like we all have our inherent biases like we all kind of view ourselves um in this really positive mindset like we're like these great people not to say that we're not great people but um we all are like inherently born with this mindset like to like kind of like be selfish um as humans and so we think like we're like the best thing since sliced spread and so sometimes it's hard when you get that um almost like reality check saying guess what you're not as special as you thought you were like you're yeah you're a great person like you're you're special in the sense that there's nobody else like you but it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be like a superstar in, in the bigger picture. Exactly.
0: Like we're not all going to be Elon Musk. Not that everybody wants to be Elon Musk, but like that, idea. that concept of we're not always, not all of us are going to be social media influencers. Not all of us are going to be celebrities. Not all of us are going to be multimillionaires. That kind of idea.
1: Yeah. And it's like finding that balance of like, okay, like where do I fit in the in the bigger picture of life? Like where, where am I, you know, uniquely designed and purposely made to be in life? Because um, we all have our like specific places in life that like we like where our purpose lies um and it's it's kind of like life it's almost like finding that balance and where we are meant to be in the
2: bigger scheme of things Um, Becca what do you think I don't recall a time where I thought myself special I'm the I'm the person that like you know the main character in a story where they come up and they're like you have to take this enormous quest to save the world i would be like why like Did the other ten people you call not answer? (laughs) What was all your plan, Zed? I'm the Percy Jackson be like, This is a pen. pen. (laughs) This is a pen. (laughs) But the pen's wanting so special. (laughs) Right?
1: Like, no, no, I get that, because it's like you watch these fantasy things and, or like shows or, or books or whatnot and it's just like it's like for me at least it's hard to imagine myself kind of being in that position I'm like I don't know if I'd ever really like like conceptually it, it sounds nice and fun and whatnot but like realistically I don't know if I'd actually want to be the person to be like um, why why are we taking the quest like why are you putting me like I um, that takes some big pants that I don't feel like putting on right now um, so like did you run out of options? because it seems like you're coming to the last possible choice and I don't want to be in that no thank you we're gonna
0: (laughs) see I'm the opposite I'm like oh you want to give me the quest
1: you can (laughs) let me do the comedic relief there like that's that's what I'm fine with (laughs) See, and I'm like, oh, you
0: want to give me the quest? All right. Uh, Give me like 10 days and I'll have plans A through SED mapped out. And we'll start with A and we'll work our way through the list and see what works and see what doesn't. Like I'm just, a, am a straight up problem solver. (laughs)
1: I'm like I don't question
0: it. I'm like okay, so this you're giving this to me. Okay, Uh, I guess I'll figure
1: it out. Right. I'm like style Silinsky from Teen Wolf, where it's just like I'm intelligent and like I have those um, I can come up with ideas, but at the same time I also just like have like like the blunt, sarcastic quirks that I feel like just I offer the comedic relief in life. Like that's that's where I am. I'm good being there. You can. I'll let let somebody else take up the asceticism because like, no, no, bueno. no, no, thank
0: you. But I think it's interesting that we all kind of feel that kind of discomfort in different ways, which I think is interesting. You know, the the biggest thing that I see when I look up why we need to be uncomfortable is that in, in a place of discomfort is where we grow, right? You know, plants get a little too small for their pots, that's when it's time to take them out and put them into a bigger pot, right? Like your my husband read a David Bowie quote that um, he told me about, and it had to do with David Bowie talking about his music career and his styles and how he kind of didn't, he felt that if he was, if he didn't feel like he was drowning, it was too safe. Um, but if he felt like he was having a hard time staying afloat, then that wasn't safe either. But where you're in that sort of danger zone of, I'm not sure that I can make it, that discomfort zone is where the magic happened and where he knew that he was in the right space to be making the music and doing the things that he wanted to do. And I just, I always found that concept really interesting. And I think that that can be true for anything in life, you know, listening to music that makes you uncomfortable, reading a book that makes you uncomfortable, uh, exploring a new idea or learning something new that makes you uncomfortable. But I guess the question then lies in what is discomfort in those arenas right like what does discomfort mean
1: yeah it's such a subjective idea to like i feel like it's a very personal idea of like discomfort because for like one person discomfort could be like some some people are great at speaking in public like that's something that they excel in but another person can be horrible when it comes to public speaking and want to like curl up in a ball and like hide um just to the thought of public speaking so i think that discomfort is a very like subjective to the person um personal idea that you kind of have to navigate in a a, on a personal sense because i feel like a lot of the time it's easy to try and um look at what everybody else finds discomfort in and then and then like relate to that and then find a way through the fact that other people relate to your discomfort but I feel like a lot of the time you have to really look at it and say okay my discomfort isn't going to be the same as somebody else's discomfort so like I need to you know figure out a way to like sit in the discomfort and let it I think make you better so I think it's it's very subjective to the person
0: yeah that's true because what makes me uncomfortable might not make you uncomfortable and i I mean that plays into the whole reason as to why there's trigger warnings in books right like what might be triggering for me is not necessarily going to trigger rebecca i mean rebecca has no triggers but (laughs) well actually no i think we found a couple of lines that becca won't cross but um in general i think it has to do with babies
2: no i've crossed that line Oh I tried not I, I tried g- Like I gotta stop and I gotta stop and be like, alright. The vid Here we go. let you know, I'll still go. The vid. Uh, <laughs> Do you remember your uh, like the, the
0: COVID romance? <laughs> the COVID romance? I haven't read those. Oh you haven't read them
2: any- oh. yet? Yeah, <laughs> I, I would read them, but oh. I just haven't. I'm not that interested. I wasn't interested in twenty one when I first saw them. I have no words.
0: <laughs> I read a whole review or I watched a whole review of uh, Rachel Reads, uh, Reads with Rachel on YouTube because she read the, uh, the <laughs> coronavirus series. It was pretty funny. I don't need to read them because she told me all about them. But let's talk uncomfortable books because this is a bookish podcast. We talk about book stuff. So, uncomfortable books. We talked about some of them uh, during band book week with our band book episode. What are some other uncomfortable
1: books? This one isn't per se, like, it's a little bit different but um, than most, like, the band books, but, um, and it's, like, coming out of perspective of faith, but um, I haven't personally read it yet, but it's been on my TBR. Um, It's called, like, You're Not Enough and Not Okay by Ali Best Stuckley, Um, and basically it talks about, like, the the self-love culture and how, like, self-obsessed people um, have kind of been within the world lately um and and almost like taking that narrative and and like changing so I'm gonna look it up more to like at the because it just was on the top of my head and I felt like it was relevant to what we were talking about um because that idea that um like saying like you're not enough and that's okay it's like that's like what like it, it goes against what it's like yeah skipping the toxic culture of self-love because it it, it's not necessarily meaning like it's not that it's bad to love yourself but when it becomes to the point of like uh, obsessive it it almost like contradicts the whole idea of like finding a deeper meaning in the sense of like loving who you are anyway I don't know if you have you guys ever heard of that
0: I haven't I have heard of the toxic positivity I mean we've talked a little bit about it in season two you know what toxic positivity can do to people and I think that there's something to be said like again along the lines of the um, the book that by Mark Manson that the title is The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck where you have to kind of confront this idea that you know, there is, we are human beings and therefore we are fallible and we have weaknesses and flaws. And with that comes inadequ- uh, inevitable inadequacy. I noticed that this is a Christian lit book. And so for me, I know that it would make me uncomfortable because it is positioning this concept of you're not enough, but with God's love, that's okay, because God makes up for what you are inadequate for, right? So um, that would be an uncomfortable read for me because I have some issues, we'll say, with organized religion. But I think that the concept itself is something that I think would make a lot of people uncomfortable but also make people have to reposition again those perspectives of what is what is realistic right and-
1: yeah, because, again, like, I know, that's what I said. Like, it's not for everyone, and I get that, like, not everyone's going to have those same beliefs. Um, I don't know. I just like the fact that it was, like, it seemed like a very refreshing take. Like, obviously, at times, it would, like, like, just the idea of it, I think that's why I've been, like, haven't read it is like, is that it's always been in the back of my mind where it's, like, I like the concept is like great. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like, I have to sit down and like almost like self-reflect internally, like very like intensely. Um, Cause yeah, it can be uncomfortable to, to be like, Oh, like I'm not enough. And that's okay to not be enough. Um, and just like the fact that it goes against kind of like what the narrative we see. And I think that was why it interested me so much was the fact that it's like I don't have to be enough in like society's eyes. But and that like is an okay thing to to sit in and you kinda have to sit in that idea. I don't know. It's just I will one day pick it up.
0: I think you should. I think we, we have to read stuff that challenges us.
1: I will be one day. Hopefully soon when I can afford it getting it. I think it's on sale on Amazon right now. I might actually just like (laughs) impulse (laughs) buying. Impulse buying. We love it. It's only $22, which is like insane for what it normally is. It normally retails at like 36. So,
0: Hey. (laughs) I also think that falls into the line of of books in the ideas of like, like bad feminist by Roxane Gay. Um, You know, they're, there's a big thing that's to be said. I think a lot of, personally, a lot of things I think we could maybe not necessarily get over, but have a more open perspective and mindset. If we had more diverse reading and we were able to read not just diverse stories, but diverse perspectives from a perspective of, I'm reading about this to understand, not to agree necessarily. Um, You know, Bad Feminist talks a lot about how... um, Intersectionality, sorry, interest, am I saying that right? Intersectionality um, has a huge part in feminism and how, like, white cishet feminists are treated differently than black cis het feminists and then again you have other persons of color that don't fit into that cis het norman uh, normative mold that also plays into how they are perceived and feminism, mm, feminism as a whole was originally kind of like give women's rights but only white women's rights right so there's this idea that like you can be a bad feminist. I mean, that's that's common knowledge. Like, you can be a bad feminist, but I think that it's an interesting perspective. I haven't read it yet, but I've heard a lot of people say that it did make them really uncomfortable when they read it. But it's one of those books that changed the way that they were able to understand feminism and how they can become better feminists
1: yeah and 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 like just hearing with that because i know for myself like my idea of like feminism has always been like kind of like i wouldn't say but it's like feminism was never something i could really like always like connect to and grapple with and like really grasp onto is like because of you know my own personal experience in the sense that like i grew up like in a christian household like faith is a very big thing for me and like it's still something that like i center around in my life um but and, and so like feminism like trying to find like that middle balance between like incorporating my faith but also incorporating the fact that like i believe that like people deserve equal like women all, all women deserve equal t- treatment compared to what i get and and just like but when you have almost like two conflicting sides to like one spectrum and you're kind of like trying to figure out where exactly you fall in that idea where it's like still like having your face um incorporated into it but also like um taking in things that are part of the idea of like making sure that like women have equal rights as men and, and all of the everything that like comes within feminism so it's, it's always something i've looked at and it's like yeah like it, make, it can make you uncomfortable because you have to really like think like how do i incorporate this into my life how do i like find that balance of like that middle ground with this so
0: waiting for becca to chime in we've been talking for like 20 minutes
2: <laughs> <laughs> i don't have any uncomfortable reasons or non-fiction so i'm out of i'm out of this well, at the moment. it doesn't even necessarily
0: have to be nonfiction. We're just bringing up nonfiction books because that's what comes to mind. But from a perspective of discomfort, you know, what are books that you have read that you can see making others uncomfortable? Or why do you think it's important that we read books that make us feel uncomfortable?
2: For the ones I'm thinking of, it's things that are taking like very... like real life type situations that we hear about on a pretty regular basis. And they're like flipping the script on it. So like when it comes to child predators or serial rapists and things like that, they're flipping how it is. We look at it and it's interesting because for most of them, it's like you're flipping the gender usually like, so for child predators, we're used to seeing them as male The book I'm thinking of. It's a female. Um, And so it's kind of like people kind of overlook her ability to do that based on the idea of it's a woman. She wouldn't do that. And it's like, well, really, would they? And then there's like the serial rapist who only goes for men and the way society responds to them after being rape victims because they're men. It's fascinating.
0: That is fascinating. And it gives me, it makes me think of, um, have you guys seen the movie Promising Young Woman?
2: It sounds
1: familiar, like that... Um... It's about
0: a woman who goes on a revenge murder spree to avenge her friend who was basically gang-raped and murdered at a party. or I think she took her life uh, after being raped uh, at, a, at a party. And what I found interesting was, like, everyone's talking about how this film is critically acclaimed, and they're like, oh, my God, this is so great. It's so, so beautiful filmmaking, and she plays such a strong character, and it's like... I get that the concept was about a woman taking her power back or kind of revenge, but that's how it always seems to be perceived and and portrayed when it's the woman, women, when it's the woman doing something that is, if a man were doing it, people would think it was a sick and twisted film. Right. And yet here are people celebrating this woman for murdering these men by basically playing, um, you know, luring them in with her sexuality.
2: I have one that I've read more recently Boys Will Be Boys by Rain Havoc. And Rain writes, uh, I don't know if you would kind of put her in like all horror or maybe she's splatterpunk. If it is a sheet, I don't know. um But Boys Will Be Boys. You have a group of girls and a group of boys. They both got off hiking in the trails and the cliffs or whatever. And they're not going together. They're just both out there at the same time. And the boys are basically having this get-together where they're talking about how, you know, we're men. We can do what we want. And they literally set out on the epic of, like, let's go find someone to rape. That's their whole quest. And then you have these girls who are just walking around chilling. I think it's, like, summer before after senior year. They're all young because um, not all the boys are even 18. I don't think any all the girls are either. So the boys find them. And there's a lot of gruesome things that happen, but one girl gets away. She gets away and she finds two police and she explains what happens. But the police are the parents of some of the boys. And instead of helping her, their first response is, but what is this going to do to him? (laughs) And like, the sad thing is, is like in society, that's exactly what happens. It's why would you want to, why would you want to affect his life that way? It wasn't that bad. And spoiler, alert, they end up killing the last survivor girl so no one can, you know, rat on their son. Because they're like, oh, this is just going to ruin their futures if this gets out. I'm like, what? <laughs> Very Brock Turner. <laughs> like, it's,
1: it's like. It's interesting to, we're not, well, like, yeah, it's interesting to see, like, this idea of how, um like, I know this isn't bookish related, but, like, just seeing the, like, some of the trials that have been within, like, the, like this was a couple, like, a year ago now, but just seeing, like, the John Jeff trial and the fact that, like, everyone at first was like, oh, like, he did it, like, yes, but then, like, you realize, like, no, actually, like, he was the one who was experiencing the abuse, and so it's it's just, it, like, it's it's interesting how when you, like, flip the rules, often society doesn't see it the same way, which is frustrating because like they're both equally bad.
0: Yeah. Like there's, I mean, from a predator perspective, people typically think men are predators. I mean, men traditionally have been the predators, but women are just as equally able to be horribly cruel and sadistic. Um, and it's just interesting the way that they can be framed. And so I think that that would be an interesting. What's the title of the book called,
2: Becca? The one I just mentioned, Boys Will Be Boys. Boys Will Be Boys. It's not what they say. It's just boys being boys. It's literally how it was treated. I was like, hold up a second. Uh, the other one, um, Any Man by Amber Tamblin you have a serial rapist on the loose, but it is a female and she only goes for men. And there's the stories told like from all her different victims. And it's interesting because they're all facing their trauma in different ways. You have the ones that are kind of very external with their trauma and kind of getting to like ending up with like very destructive behaviors. And you have the ones that really internalize it. um, Which I thought was interesting because, you know, women who have experienced the same thing kind of go through the same prospect, but then when the media starts getting involved and picking up that there's a serial rapist on the loose, they start treating these men who at first are like, oh, you poor thing. This must just be soul crushing. They start treating them the same way women get treated. So like the first man, he, he got attacked outside of a bar. And they're like, well, why were you outside of a bar? You have a wife. I weren't you at home. Um, there was one who she picked him up on Tinder and met him at his house and the media's like, I mean, if you didn't really want it, you know, why were you erect? It, this Her beating you up probably, like, made it more exciting for you.
0: That sounds fascinating. And I had to look it up because when you said Amber Tamblin I was like, sisterhood of the traveling pants, Amber Tamblin But yes, Amber Tamblin, the actress, is the one who wrote this, which I find extremely interesting um, because she's had a bit of a troubled experience in Hollywood. Um, If I'm not mistaken, she's written a few books. um, And I'm going to have to add this one to my TBR because it sounds very, very interesting.
1: This one was, like, we had to read this one in school. um, But uh, in grade 11 English class, um, Lord of the Flies, like... And, and basically like this, if y'all don't know what the is like, it's about a group of boys that get stranded on an island and um, they're like 12, 13, 14, like they're young boys. They're not super young, but they're young. And essentially like, it, like as they're waiting for someone to, you know, rescue them, they... End up like uh, hierarchies get formed, things happen, and like if you know the book, like you know there's a scene where like I feel like I, I think one of the kids like he gets potentially do they get killed? Some of the kids get killed. I can't remember. I, yes, yeah, and and just like I remember reading it, and I'm just like at first it was like yeah, like typical you know like book you're forced to read in English class like whatever, but then the further you get into the book, the more. Gruesome it gets, and like, I'm just like, because like, the one guy, like it's a one boy killing. Another oh, it's boy. bloody, it's a bloody it's book. Bloody it was a, bloody it's bloody required
0: bad. grade 10 reading in Ontario, or it was some 10 years, 10, 12 years ago when I was that still was in high school. 11. Yeah, I had to I read it in grade 10. It, grade 10. Grade 10 was I, our required reading, I and so I, I remember you. hating the book. I remember
2: like. True.
1: I went home no, I'm and wanted to read it. I had a nightmare the night after reading it. Like got home and like I was like woke up and I'm like, what did I just dream? What did, what just went through my head? Like it was. I remember just like sitting there and the information was just sitting in my brain and, and like I was kind of like dissociated for a bit there because my brain was just like, was that real? yeah don't know why they make you read it it's, there's it's a movie you can crowded, watch the movie right. we
0: watched a movie too in grade in grade <laughs> 10 <laughs> <laughs> oh.
1: that had. is another book that
0: would make someone feel uncomfortable i mean
1: just the parallels of the fact that like that represented like the idea of society and how um when one person it, like it obtains power sometimes it causes them to do things that they might not do with, with if they didn't have that power. Um hence like one boy killing another boy who was seen as like less than in the eyes of like the group of boys because he was like this kid who um was just like wasn't popular with seen as like a little bit of a nerd and you know whatnot. His name was he, Piggy. Right, literally his name was Piggy like and I think they named him that for that purpose in the the book but yeah it's just like a representation of how society when one is given power can basically you know overtake their mind and cause them to do some pretty twisted
2: and sick things i've had one i've read recently that i think is i would think would be the most concerning for our particular sphere since we're all in the book world on booktop and stuff and it's called it's me charlie by cm gurdras i believe it was on the book list too but uh so from the description it says what happens when the person you thought was just an online friend turns out to be an obsessive monster you never know who's truly behind the screen when you're engaging with people online especially things like bookstagram where the community is so welcoming so what happens when your book bestie falls in love with you and will stop at nothing to show you just how deep that love is and it's about a guy named Charlie who has set up an entire online persona, pretending he's a female, to get close to another female bookstagrammer and become her little online bestie. And he's set out an entire plot to kidnap her, and they're going to have this happy life together, and it's it's gory. But that one, like, personally as a book influencer, made me stop, and I was like, ooh, wait a second. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that would, that would make me uncomfortable. I, you know, we were raised in the era of like ASL. And if you don't know what that means, then you are too young (laughs) because that was how you determined who you were talking to online in chat rooms that were unmonitored and unfiltered way back in the day, you know? Um, you know the the big push back when we were i feel like it's something that is maybe not as scary for people that people wouldn't necessarily think about in today's society because everything is so visual right like we have tiktok which is a video medium bookstagram and instagram and social media everyone's posting like pictures of most people i should say are posting pictures of their faces or stuff like that and When I mean, Becca, you can probably attest to this. When we were raised on the internet, it was like, you know, that person that you're talking to that says that they're a 13-year-old girl from, you know, Arkansas is probably some 57-year-old man named Timothy in the basement of his mother's apartment, right? Like...
1: You know, don't trust what anybody says online. So I've been a lot doing on the internet when I was, like, that went, around that time, like, when I was young. Because, I mean, I wasn't really old enough to be on the internet, or I shouldn't have been. But I know my sister liked that. My parents were, like, very, like...
2: Child, you're not going on there for that very reason. (laughs) Me and me and Brent are the generation that invented the. As soon as you open that chat window, like Like, we were the ones that were there. We were there when the magic was written. Don't speak the the deep magic
0: to me, child.
2: (laughs) I wasn't necessarily taking part of it, but
1: I saw like I was like I saw what was happening because I. I mean, I did have older sister that's like a bit younger than you guys, so. I mean, aside. <laughs> but it's very true. And I think,
0: I think it would freak out a lot of people nowadays, especially, like I said, because everything is such a, people can find you so quickly. Like, do you guys remember, um, or did you see when Gabby Hanna had, um, her mental issue breakdown on TikTok? Um, Uh, I want to say it was late last year and some random guy on TikTok went live, went to her house, went inside her house and convinced her that he was just like uh, a friend or like a guy that was running by when really he was there to like go live and get, make content off of someone who was mentally ill. And it could happen because yeah. we are way too free with our information on the internet these days. <laughs> you know, it's, I think, yeah, that would be really scary.
2: That's why you only record from one room. You only see the four walls. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I
1: remember seeing, um, I found like this on my furry page the so one day, um, this guy, um, Essentially, his entire account is showing like parents that want to prove their kids um, wrong in the sense of like showing them how easy it is to find out where someone is based on just a video they take and like the surroundings of the video. And the guy went through the whole analysis of showing how he used simply just things within her, like, video screen. And it wasn't even that she had a lot behind her in the video screen, but just like some of the places, like, there was like a Wendy's there, and there was like some other, another, like a Walgreens that was there, and, and like looking at the, world, like, just to see a uh, water tower was in there as well. And he basically used all these clues in the background to essentially figure out where in, like, the, like, where in the world she was filming this, this picture from. And it was amazing how, like, it basically proved to, like, a child that, like, yes, it is actually easier than you think if you know how to do it to find, uh, like where someone is filming from. So it's like learning to like take precautions when it comes to the online world that you inhabit. Um, because like, you never know what person is watching your stuff. You never know what like 40 pages popping up on someone's phone. That's showing your video and could like somehow be like, giving them clues to where you are like it's it's yeah
2: it can be a little little creepy if you don't if you're not careful
0: yeah i never tag
2: oh i saw another account like that but it was a woman who does hmm. the same thing and the video i watched she found the dude who his profile picture was his truck and he had four followers she still found (laughs) them.
0: i saw that one too i was gonna say um my brain just went out the window what was i gonna say I forget now. Mustn't have been that important. <laughs> I want to get back to the discomfort piece, though, because, you know, there there's something to be said about being uncomfortable. You know, I think when people talk about dark romance, you know, it's because they're uncomfortable with the idea that someone can take pleasure from sex that is not the 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 normal variety right um and within dark romance we have all sorts of different like tropes and genres and stuff like that but i think that makes people uncomfortable because it's it's not something that they've ever entertained or you know and maybe instead of or it's something that society has always said is not okay and so it's a boundary pushing thing that they're not quite ready like i honestly two years ago you would never have caught me reading monster spot i would not have read a book like priest i know priest is tame in comparison to yeah you know books that maybe might make someone uncomfortable but as someone who has uh, a storied history with the protestant church and you know, having to read about a man's struggle with his faith, I was kind of like, I don't know that I want to read this. I don't know that I want to, because I feel like it's not, it's not for me. And by the time I was through it, it was, I realized that the whole point of the book was being discomfort, uh, uncomfortable right? Like Tyler's uncomfortable because of what he's done and he's having to live with his choices. Poppy is uncomfortable because of her life and her choices. And I was uncomfortable reading it in the beginning because I didn't know what I was getting into. And we were breaching religious topics that I wasn't prepared necessarily to explore on my own. But by the end of it, I was like, this book is so much more intelligent than I think a lot of people give it credit for. Like it is a smart book
1: yeah and that's the thing I feel like people often like they look at romance books especially and they say oh well like it's a romance book so it must not have much like substance to it and it's like there's a lot of books out there that are that are in the romance genre that you know really pack a punch um, and you will never like you never really know until you actually try them and pick them up but um, I think with dark romance especially it's like basically it's like we as humans are very like coming from like the perspective I have of someone who's like been brought in faith and like so like faith is a big part of my life. It's like inherently like humans are like not like have pretty selfish desires. Um, and so I think that it's kind of a way of like satisfying those desires that you might have in a way that's not harming someone else, but rather so like, May, like taking care of your own self in the sense of uh, you know being able to like just like escape from your reality and like and kind of figure out things about yourself that you might not have known and i think that's uncomfortable to like like self uh, reflection is a very uncomfortable thing and finding out you actually really like you know dark romances like that can be uh, like a hard thing to kind of grapple with because so often you're you're taught as like growing up, like you know you know, hypersexuality is like a bad thing, or is like, oh, you should like be modest and like cover up and whatnot. And so when like you're subject you're 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 shown this this piece of, of literature that's essentially kind of going against what you might have been told as a child. It's kind of like almost like freeing. Um, but at the same time it's uncomfortable because it's something completely new and that's like you didn't realize, oh like I actually really like this and like this feels like I'm not supposed to like this. But it's and, and I think getting to experience that and kind of like come to terms with that can be difficult because when you've been instilled with something, it takes a while to kind of like undo that habit that you've been that you formed unintentionally yeah
0: i'll agree with that bias is a big part of of reading like we we gravitate to stuff that we know um stuff that we're comfortable with it's why a lot of people are afraid to reach out and read diversely you know a lot of people say oh i can't read a diverse book because i can't relate to a black character well you know that's not an excuse you know um this is not a. An, uh, this is a nonfiction book, and actually, I won't go into it too much because this podcast will kill you. Another podcast that's very science-y, did an incredible episode about this book and about this topic. But the immortal life of Henrietta Lacks. Um, very uncomfortable read. I have not read the whole thing yet. Um, I've read samples, but it is about the first immortal cell line, uh, that was created, the Hela, Hela, um, cells, uh, and it is what essentially allowed humankind to break biomedical, um, like markers and and create a lot of the things that we have today, thanks to these Hela cells, which are were harvested from a woman named Henrietta Lacks, who was a black woman who had no idea that her cells were taken and used to create this. Her family has never received compensation. And uh, the story is told from the perspective of her daughter learning about this research. And if you like it's uncomfortable because it makes you have to examine your history you know we have to examine our history as human beings we have to examine our history as white individuals we have to examine our history from a medical standpoint and what we've managed to achieve and what we are still lacking in terms of our medical history but uh, I, I won't go into it too much but I do think that a lot of people really need to read that book and, or you should listen. It's episode 70 of this podcast will kill you where the Aaron's the hosts of that show do an incredible job breaking it down. Both of the hosts are scientists. One is a um, immunologist, I think. No ep- epidemiologist. I apologize. Uh, and the other one is a, is a practicing doctor. So very interesting uh episode to listen to and i think everyone should at least read some of that book if they haven't had an opportunity
1: no, it definitely sounds interesting um just like the fact of yeah having to uh i think analyze. You know, like i can't i can't think of the word um kind of like analyze your like to reflect on your history um because even if you weren't the one specifically experiencing it um like you're the history of the people of your color, like still influences how you are treated in the present day. So I think it's definitely good to reflect on those things and, and sit in that uncomfortable feeling. Cause I mean, when you think about it, if it wasn't for some of the experiences of other people of different races, you might not have what you do now.
0: I think the thing can be said for queer books. I mean, this book is gay. Another book that, you know, has been banned. I think it makes people uncomfortable to have to, like, that's the book, if I'm not mistaken, because there's been a couple books that was banned recently um, with respect to it having age appropriate with descriptions regarding, you know, protection, uh, sexual, um, sexual protection and, um, having safe sex and, you know, safely exploring your body as a queer person. I think that there were some conversations in that book with respect to that. And I think that makes people uncomfortable because we are on one hand, either fetishizing, sapphic relationships or queer relationships um or we're demonizing them right um there's been a lot of heavy discourse in the states over the rights of lgbtq plus uh, individuals and i think just being confronted with the fact that they are There are kids that are queer that are going to be engaging in sexual activity, whether they should be or not is not the question. They're, they're teenagers and they're going to do what they're going to do. They have the same right to access of information that we did when we took sex ed, regardless of the quality of that sexual education, they still require or are deserving of the same, education. I get repeating, repeating myself, but they have the right to learn about their bodies too. And I think that makes people uncomfortable because by accepting that they have to also accept queer people. And there's a big desire to not do that presently.
1: Yeah. Um, Yeah. It's definitely good to sit in those kinds of topics and, and, analyze even like your own biases towards certain things because as human, like we are inherently biased and sometimes you can be biased towards something and not realize that you're biased against or for something. Um, and yeah, like I think it's very important to be uncomfortable in, in certain situations because it helps you to, I think, it helps you to better yourself in the future and it helps you to better understand the struggles that certain people might have to deal with that you will never have to encounter in your life.
0: You learn empathy. Yeah. Period. End of story through being uncomfortable, through reading about the world from someone else's perspective, you inherently gain empathy for them. Um, You understand their perspective better. And so you're better able to understand their community better and you can't just say that you don't know anymore, right? Because now you have a little bit of knowledge, and a little bit of knowledge is better than none.
1: Rebecca, what are you, what are you, what is, like,
2: let's hear what Rebecca thinks. You've been quiet, like, really quiet. How oh, I can think of those, like, specific book titles. I don't really have anything to, add to the argument of why we should be uncomfortable. Well, that's all right. We don't I, I have a it, lot of books. I make, I make it a habit of, like, making people uncomfortable. You do, and I
0: appreciate you for it. I appreciate you for it, Becca. I, listeners, Becca is the one that's constantly sending us links like, hey, you should check this book out. Hey, And I mean, yes, are the majority of them dark romance with weird-ass shit that make us kind of go, ooh, and throw open our mouths a little? Yes. Right. However, however, if I had not listened to Becca, I would never have read Priest. If I had not listened to Becca, I would not have read Titan. And I would not have read uh, King of Flesh and Bone by Liv you know, I there's been a number of authors that I have now grown an appreciation for uh, because Rebecca re- recommended them to me. So give us think- your book recs, Becca.
1: Okay. And I think like... Um- I, I love that we have the balance of like really like disturbing and deep and dark books, So you have like me who's like read, it, Becca, read this. It's not your first tape, read it. Um, because you get to kind of see like everyone's perspective. Because something that's gonna make me uncomfortable isn't gonna make Becca uncomfortable, but something that makes Becca uncomfortable isn't probably going to make me uncomfortable. And I think it's about like when you like being able to have those discussions with your friends and being able to see okay, like, like. What do I, what do I find that I like? What do you like? And like, what do I not like? What do you not like? It's about, you know, getting to know and being willing to like, to step out of said comfort zone. Because it's really easy to say, I'm going to read a book that makes me comfortable. Um, It's not easy to say, I'm going to read a book that I'm very uncomfortable with. Um, But it really shows like, as a person that you are mature and willing to grow and learn and, and change. And change is literally the inevitable thing within life. Like change you can't stop it. It happens. So like either you go, you get with the program or you're left behind. Facts. Facts.
0: And that is why I love having these conversations with you guys. You know, I know we joke about Becca being the silent shadow on the wall and because she is, but behind the scenes, Becca works really hard, um, constantly giving amazing book recommendations and, has a really unique perspective when it, in my opinion, when it comes to books that we should read and why we should read them. And so I just want to say I appreciate the both of you. I appreciate both of you.
2: I love you too, <laughs> <laughs> We do. Oh, love fast.
0: Now break our hearts, Becca, with some uncomfortable reads that everyone should read. Rapid fire. Shoot <laughs> them off. What are <laughs> they? <laughs>
2: Oh, uh, ones I haven't talked about yet. Yes. So there's Tampa by Nutting. I know. I know the, I know the last name is Nutting because it's just hilarious. I can't believe that was a name. Um, but Tampa is a child predator story, and it flips the script. So instead of it being a male teacher going after a young female. Students, you have a female teacher who specifically has gotten a job as a teacher to put her in proximity with middle gr- middle grade boys because that is what she finds oh. amazing. And I'm going to spoil it, but along the way she gets caught at one place. But what she does, it just goes to another place to find new boys and continues the cycle, um, which is pretty much close to what you experience in real life with unfortunately child predators. You know, they get caught in one place and they pop up somewhere else with new lives and start the cycle all over again another one is my dark vanessa who i don't know we've talked about it though we've talked
0: about my dark vanessa
2: that's one of the ones i told you you should read and when i was reading it i was like um what because this also a teacher story but this one takes place at a college level but anytime we have a teacher story it really I I I that's the other one the teacher stories I will have to you know take a deep breath before I cross the line because since I was a teacher I'm just like I don't know how you can think any pubescent bo smelling talky breath person in that way I just can't do it I don't understand how people do it. but you know I think venom I would bang venom okay so everyone's got their thing but my name is <laughs> Vanessa. She, I'm sorry, I just have she pictures of a fucking <laughs> Venom going down. Bacow? Bacow. <laughs> Everything oh, is I'm gone so I was, now. I'm just and I'm like... No, <laughs> I, I, I totally, I totally. would, though. You're right. Yeah! Okay! But anyways, my dog Vanessa, she falls in love with her teacher... During college, and they have their little relationship. Is it college? Maybe it's high school. But I don't know. But they have their little relationship, and time goes on, and it's kind of taking place like back in time and present time, where she's gone on and she's moved on from her life. But what makes it stand out is instead of like she is traumatized and she she kind of knows it, but she's not fully acknowledging it. She doesn't let go of him. So, like, it's this weird mind game of, like, you know he was a child predator. You know he took advantage of you. But for some reason, you're still, like, but, you know, he he wasn't that bad. And it's, like, the only time she really stops and starts thinking of him, like, oh, my God, you're a psycho. Is when he goes and finds a younger girl than her to start having a relationship. And she gets jealous. Because she's, like, well, am I good enough anymore? And I'm, like, wait a second. Like that one just left me confused because it was a new way of looking at the victim of this crime. Like, and some people are like that, you know, they have the they, trauma makes them think weird things. So like, instead of hating the person that's traumatized them, they get not necessarily Stockholm syndrome exactly, but like, I don't even know how to explain it. It's like, they know they shouldn't and they know they're hurting them but they're still there. They be- yeah.
1: It's that idea of like, it's a psychological thing because it, like, and, and I get what you're saying in the sense of like, it's not Stockholm syndrome, but like, it's like because logically your brain, you can know something logically, but emo- when you get emotions, like in, in, when you tangle emotions into things, emotions and logic don't often can, can collide with each other. They don't often go together. They're like water and oil. And so it's like, basically you're you're less with these like you know psychologically you know like I shouldn't like this person like they made my life they think they took away like in my innocence. But at the same time, that's all you know. And as humans, we gravitate towards the things we know. So of course they're going to emotionally gravitate towards the fact that this child predator is what you know. But at the same time, logically they know okay, I shouldn't be doing that because it what he did was wrong. But it's like when you have logic and emotion together, it's like you have to find that balance of like, okay, I understand why I do this, but I'm going to actively try not to do this. Yeah, it's, it's anything that has to do with the psychology of your brain is always a fun trip.
2: The last one, and this was a random one I picked up from Book of the Month without really thinking about what it was. Vladimir by Julia Mae Jones. This is one of the ones I was like covered because it was the only interesting book I got month. that one too, so... <laughs> oh you need to read it okay it's short do you see all the tabs these aren't like these aren't like spicy scene tabs the tabs in this book are literally just what the fuck is, yeah. okay? okay that's it 200 pages like, <laughs> like but that this one. is the first line this is the first line when I was a child I loved old men and I could tell they also loved me yeah <laughs> yeah that would make me uncomfortable well See, it starts off that way, but the the narrator of that story, she's just psychotic. She's not a reliable narrator because, like, she's now older, but, like, she's also chasing youth in this way. But she has, like, this weird chauvinistic idea about herself as a white woman. And she goes for a younger man who's married. And she's like, you should just like me because I'm me. You should want to be with me because I am me. And if you don't agree to it willingly, then we're gonna do this the hard way. Yikes. <laughs> yeah, she's it sounds like she's taking crazy pills. But it sounds
0: like it sounds like it's interesting. I know you, I think you've mentioned Vladimir before. And they're all books that I have to like prepare myself for. But I do want to read them this year. I have to really prepare myself for them. I don't know, listeners. What book makes you uncomfortable? You can answer. We'll, we'll put a poll on this episode um, where you can write in your answer. And if you respond, um, we will read the answers out uh, on TikTok. We'll do a video, we will read some of the answers that come in. Um I feel alive. Maybe alive, that would be interesting, talking about what kind of books make you uncomfortable. So yeah. I just I think we need to get comfortable being uncomfortable. And I think we need to find a way to be okay with that.
1: Yeah, I definitely would agree with that. It's it's the it's a part of life that is often not exciting to deal with, but it's often an important part of life because it helps you to grow as an individual. Exactly.
0: If it makes you uncomfortable, it is confronting something that you need to examine why it makes you uncomfortable. What is it confronting or putting, giving friction to that you need to look at? And I think that's where we're going to leave it for today. So we'll see you next week. Want more from the bookish bitches?
1: Follow us on TikTok at drinking ink pod Official for updates regarding our newest episodes, releases, and behind-the-scenes chaos, or send us an email at DrinkingInkPodcast at gmail.com.
2: You can find us on all streaming platforms like Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. You can also follow our hosts on their personal accounts located in the show notes, along with recommended reading lists and all the books we mentioned in today's episode. Stay thirsty, friends.